This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 150 of the Healthy Critters Radio on the Horse Radio Network. Healthy Critters Radio is brought to you by Biostar US. Find them online at biostarus.com. On today's show, we discuss spending less time in the arena with our horses. Critter of the show is the bald eagle. Critter nutrition focuses on choosing the right fats for your horse. And in Coffee Clatch, we ask, what dog breed or combination of dog breeds best describes you? Join us. Tigger. And I'm Patty. And I'm Coach Jen. I'm going to call myself the ringleader here. <laughs> I'm the guy I'm the guy in the middle with a chain with a chair and a big long whip and a top hat. <laughs> yes. That sounds accurate. T- that t- sounds very accurate. That's right. Tigger, the mad genius behind Biostar US and Patty Perucci, dressage equestrian woman extraordinaire, and I get together twice a month and we geek out on all things healthy critter. And that health could involve mental health or physical health. And the critters can be anything from zebras to uh, aardvarks. Yes. And it, it sounds like we've got quite a variety of critters today. Pre show, before I hit the record button today. Some of us in this trio were a little bit stressed out. We won't use names. No, no blaming here. No blame. So I thought I would ask a question. I'm going to start with Tigger. Okay. Okay. When the stress level becomes intolerable, and I'm sure you have no experience with, with that oh, in no, January that in Wellington, happened. Florida. What is, what's your go-to stress food when you're about to blow your stack what food do you reach for two foods two ashwagandha tea or tulsi tea and soup soup interesting now do you have a particular sort or flavor of soup that that it is or does this just need to be hot with noodles and vegetables i like broth i prefer broth to noodles and i really like like cream of tomato soup Oh. Or cream of tomato and basil soup. Mm-hmm. Oh, tomato basil soup. El yummo, yes. Uh, yeah. Okay. yeah. So this is going to take me further down the rabbit hole. Be prepared, Patty, because you're next. Tomato <laughs> soup. What is the best accompaniment for the ultimate comfort food that is tomato soup? I have discovered these wonderful little things that are like cauliflower chips. Really? Mm. Yeah. So I dip them in the soup. So you get the salty, but it's mm-hmm. cauliflower. So I figure I'm telling myself I'm getting some, you know, vegetable. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting the, t- the creaminess of the tomato soup. Uh-huh, uh-huh. All right, cool. Okay, I, I warned you, Patty, when the chips are down, yeah. when you're just about ready to pull your the hair out. The dip gets going. Yes. <laughs> the, chips mm-hmm. down, the dip gets going. What is your yeah. go-to stress? I'm going to, I'm going to tell you that this is when I'm happy and stressed, I love potato chips. Yes! I love them. I love you. I ah, love potato ah. 
And I, and when I'm like really happy or if I'm working really hard, cause when we're in Florida, I'm always training and giving lessons, but now I get to be trained and get lessons. So I'm working even harder. So <laughs> during his lesson, I looked at a friend of mine. And I said, I, I'm going to need potato chips. I'm going to be horrible to live with. And guess what? I had them before the lesson was done. So I like that and peanut <laughs> M&M's. Oh, there you go. Peanut M, that's, yeah, that's a pretty standard fare right there. Interesting. So you go for the the salty chip. Do you have a particular brand or style or flavor? Yes. I like them to be kettle chips and they have to be sea salt. I don't like the flavoring. I mean, I'll do some flavoring, which if I'm in a bind, if I'm backed into a corner, I'll do flavoring, but Mm -hmm. I prefer kettle chips with just sea salt. There you go. And mm-hmm. by and by the way, kettle chips can also be crushed up and used as moisturizer if you just rub them all over your skin. <laughs> yes, and it's so funny. My hands, because I ate half a bag, are feeling fabulous. There we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you yes. go. That's awesome. How about you? How about you, Jen? Mine is easy, and I very rarely reach for them anymore. The Pop-Tart. That is my stress food. If I'm really? so stressed out, I've lost my appetite, and I can't even eat. I'm just ready to... Just blow my brains okay, out. What, it has. It's going to be either frosted brown sugar or frosted strawberry. One of those two. Okay, that's my favorite. Yeah, brown sugar is my favorite, and it has to be frosted and it has to be a real pop tart. Yeah. Thank you very much. Not that house brand nonsense. Yeah. No, I yep, think I've awesome. maybe eaten one pop tart in my entire oh, life. Shut up, Tigger. I never had a yen for them. It's because you've never tasted them. They're delicious. I tasted them once. At a friend's house. Interesting. So, so Tigger goes for the the warmth and comforting yes. food, where Patty goes for the reach back Salty. to your happy days in childhood food. <laughs> I yeah. go for the sugar fix. <laughs> So funny. So I see everybody has a different need when you're stressed. There's a different part of you that needs to be fed figuratively as well as literally. Well, I will say that chocolate is part of my everyday diet. I don't go a day without it. So it's not my go-to for stress. Is that because you're stressed every day, Tigger? Correct. (laughs) (laughs) So Tigger, you partake of chocolate daily and I... I think I know you well enough that you partake of chocolate daily in a very controlled fashion versus me who eats the entire five pound bag of M&Ms. Does which chocolate you choose vary depending on where the stress level is at? No, I seem to have, I I get into a a chocolate rut Mm -hmm. where I eat the same chocolate for a long time. It could be weeks, months, Mm -hmm. and then... I decide, oh, I think I'll have this, and then I'll eat that constantly. So right now, I'm in the Whole Foods milk chocolate caramel sea salt. Oh, that's okay. I, 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 yeah. and, and it's great because it comes in a little, it's sort of like a jar. It's a plastic container, and they're individual little they're like smaller than chunkies. Remember mm-hmm. chunkies? Oh, yeah. But they're kind of that size. Mm-hmm. And so you can have one and just get all this incredible satisfaction. And unlike my other, I, I, I went through the summer, I was like Reese's peanut butter cups. I had to oh. have one every single day. And I actually am finding these a little bit more satisfying. Maybe it's the caramel and the sea salt. 
Mm-hmm. But I'm sure in no time I will be craving a Reese's peanut butter cup, and I'll be right back to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have to. I did forget that. That is one of my favorite. The Reese's too. peanut butter cup is the most perfect combination of chocolate candy flavors ever created, hands down, in my opinion. Ever but, yeah. in the history of the world. But you got to get the small one. They're just the the oh the, the chocolate is different than the big ones. You're right. Yes, they are, and they just do wonderful things on the back of your tongue. It's just fabulous. Yeah, so I'm so going to go get some. (laughs) (laughs) Well, before you go get it, we have quite a show ahead of us. We do. We do. What we we always have a little chit chat topic, and this today's chit chat topic is: Should we spend less time in the arena with our horses? And the first thing I need to know is. What prompted this question? You knew what I was going to ask. I did because I've been hearing from trainers, some of the prominent European dressage riders, Charlotte DeFore and Charlotte, damn, I just had a brain fart, Uh, Dujardin, (laughs) they don't spend a lot of time in the arena. Charlotte for... um, I'm not sure if it's Gio or Vallegro or it's both. She spends three or four days in the arena. That's it. He gets hacked out the rest of the time. And then he has a day off. And I, it made me think that maybe we don't spend enough time outside the arena. We focus so much on the training and not the training in terms of a trail ride or doing trot sets on a nice sandy lane or a little canter where you can open them up a bit and just let them enjoy being outside that restricted box. That it it would be so much better, I think, for their mental health and their physical health. Yeah. And maybe the emphasis of training instead of go out and have some fun. I think, too, that riders, particularly riders who are at a high level, at the elite level, but haven't been there for very long, they're maybe earlier in their career, may not see the benefit in their own riding, in their own capabilities and things of getting outside of the familiar square. Because just like it, it's going to trigger different things physically and mentally for the horse, it's also going to do that for the rider. That's true. Because So, when you're in that same place, your brain, to some degree, is going to go on autopilot. You're, it's the same surroundings. It's the same size. Right? Everything is the same. So, you're schooling out there, and you're, you're, you've got a block on something. There's some movement or something that's, oh, we're really struggling with this. We can't work through it. We can't break through some plateau. Perhaps doing something in a different place under different circumstances, like you said, hacking on a sandy road, going to a large field, riding through some woods, but bringing along with that some of the elements that you're trying to break through. So maybe you're really struggling with half steps. Maybe you can go out there, do some trot sets on that sandy road, and in between those trot sets, work on some half steps for a few minutes here and there, and maybe that will help you and your play, break through. Play it. Play with it more. Yeah, play with it more. And, and you might not realize there's gonna there are going to be different ingredients there that you're completely unaware of and can really help. And 
it it can't hurt. It's the worst it's going to do is not change anything. But I think we spend too much time in the box. See, I'm I'm well, the I, wrong person to ask because I don't ride in a box anymore. This is such an, an interesting conversation because I've always been all about not being in the arena, and I've always done Monday, yes, you have. Wednesday, you do something out outside, whether it's polls or Cavaletti Day or whatever, and then I, I just do four days a week. So, you know, on special occasions, I'll do or do more days for other things. But one of the things that I recently got into because two of my good friends watched some working equitation, I did a clinic for them for Christmas with this girl that's a master working act person. What was so fascinating to me was, number one, is that, because I hear you guys both saying, go out on a sandy road or do whatever. Being in certain areas and doing clinics around like the country, sometimes people don't have that capability. And what I think is kind of interesting, doing something different, if you still have to kind of be in the box or yes. ride out the box, something different yes. is change it up. Um, yeah. Step is doing some of this working X stuff because it's still about training, but it just uses their mind and their body mm-hmm. so differently. But it's still all about the dressage and the training, but it's so much fun. And what I watched it do for these two gals and then a bunch of everybody all involved about it is you're doing weed poles pending around barrels, whether they're cones, and it's just different, still applying good principles, but you can do it at a walk, or you can, we picked up throws the poles, and we're spearing the bull. Like, I, I mean, I... Tigger, you don't know what this means. I've done this with JJ. I, I picked up a garage pole and one of my sister mm-hmm. was just a little circle thing. And who would have thought I would ever picked up a six foot garage pole with that horse? So it's amazing. Like, and it's what's been so cool is just making it so much different for the horse and the bond and the trust that whole trust of when someone's yeah. going around the outside of an arena and they're worried about the horse shining. Let me tell you, the last thing you're thinking about is them shying away from going around the outside of arena when you're leaning over yeah. to pick up the pole. And it, it's been neat because I just find so many people have challenges because they don't have the room. Like they literally may have three and the, there's the part where the arena is. And then the other part's just the big fields. So they have nothing else. So that's just another fun little option or poles or groundwork or whatever. But cause I love doing different things with, I love doing different things with them. So that's just been a fun thing. Cool. Speaking of thinking outside the box and doing different things, do you think it is time to call Hedwig and see what she's up to? I'd like to know how she, how, what she does out of the box. There we go. Yeah, that, that's a, that's a perfect thing. Hello, Hedy. Hello. Hello. Hi, everyone. Hello. Hi, hi. Hello. (laughs) We've just been discussing uh, ways to um, uh, spend time with your horse sort of out of the ring, Um, you know, Cavaletti and hacking. And and we just wondered what your suggestions were for sort of getting dogs out of the... um, out of their normal Fox. routine and yeah, I like my routine. <laughs> I knew this was coming. Oh. But what about my dogs who don't like their well routine? You know, to me? yeah. Oh, they need new people. <laughs> it's not the routine that's the problem. It's the human. Exactly. I mean, if you have a human who's 
developed a routine for you that's really unsuitable, then the very best thing you can do is um, hire. Oh. It's an excellent employment market right now. There are some truly special people out there, and I think you can do better. Okay. Well, um, not the response we were thinking of. I thought you'd be yeah. a little bit more creative, Hetty. I mean, uh, you're a pretty creative gal. Oh, I mean, I just am a little unclear. Like, are you suggesting someone take the dog swimming or something? Well, I wouldn't suggest that with a Pomeranian because I think they'd sink. We do not sink, Tigger, as I think we all remember from when I was thrown into the pool. Thank you for that beautiful memory of my routine being interrupted. I know you're laughing. This will be held against you later. I'm sure it will. So what fun thing out of your routine would you enjoy? A trip? A adventure? No. <laughs> I really enjoy having my snacks, being with my sister, having some snacks. You know, I mean, my life is, to be honest, do not tell the servant, but pretty great. <laughs> I have tried for years to train her to understand my needs, and now pretty much she does. <laughs> okay, well. Um... I mean, I, I don't look for a lot of change. I, you know, I travel, as you know, quite a bit. I, yes, I you don't do. wish to travel more. Okay. Ever. I never want to go to another horse show, for example. All right. Mm -hmm. I, I understand. But, you know, would you like to do agility? Would you like to learn no. some tricks? No. I, I Again, <laughs> see, these are the sort of things that humans do when their dogs are seeking interaction. Uh, I'm not, per se, seeking further interaction. <laughs> That's um, at all. Okay. All right. I well, I prefer not. You 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 heard it from the Pomeranian's mouth. Yep. Yep. They're seeking less interaction. Well, thanks, Hetty. Bye. Thanks, Hetty. Bye. Bye. And now it's time for the breed of the show. I've chosen to do the bald eagle, but specifically this section, because I'm thinking this may end up being a two-part section, for bald eagles in Florida. And the reason for this is I am, for the second season, at a place called Eagle Tree Farm. Unbeknownst to me when I got here last year, it's because there's eagles here, which is pretty amazing. So brief um, story, when they were building this facility, there was a tree out front, and they had this big, beautiful nest, bald eagle nest, and they literally couldn't build the way they wanted the structure to be because of the eagles being in the tree. Long and short of the story is the eagles ended up moving their nest and it's across the pasture, which you can see, and it's pretty amazing. So I have just been fascinated by these guys because you'll be riding and someone will look at you and say, the eagle's behind you and you can't even hear them. So it's pretty amazing. The, the basis of today is going to be basically about talking about bald eagles that are in Florida. As we all, hopefully we all know that it is our national bird. Florida has won the highest concentration of nesting eagles in the lower 48 states. Did you know that, Tigger? No. Isn't that amazing? 
I just think that's amazing. So approximately 1,500 nesting pairs are in, I guess, specifically in Florida. The bald eagle is still protected under the Bald Eagle Golden Eagle Protection Act and Migratory Bird Treaty Act, although, however, they're not considered extinct anymore. Where to find nests? They they tend to build their nest, and they're quite large. I did not get the dimensions of the, of the nest, but they're quite large. But they tend to build around inland, like near lakes or water, or like we're in Wellington, so we're not that far away from lakes, or I can't think of the name of the thing that runs along, what's it called, Tigger? The intercoastal. So this is interesting because this is a little bit up for discussion, but what they say is that in the summer, they use three major migratory routes when they leave Florida, Atlantic Coast, Appalachian Mountains, Mississippi. They even talk about juvenile eagles traveling as far as Newfoundland, which I think was interesting. When I talked to the people that live here at the farm year-round, they said they did not leave, which I thought was interesting. So I think there's some differences in how that goes. As far as why they live near water is they are an opportunistic feeder. So they mainly eat fish and they basically swoop down and snatch the fish out of the water with their talons. Now, I've not seen that yet, but it's just watching them fly in and out of the nest, it's breathtaking. It's a, it's just amazing. So I can't even imagine what that must look like. So as far as the term bald eagle, bald eagles are not actually bald. The name derives from an older meaning of the word, meaning white-headed. The adult is mainly brown or kind of a almost black look with a white tail. The sexes are identical as far as their plumage. You, they look you know, pretty identical as the male and the female, except the females are about 25% bigger than the males. They also have a very long hooked yellow beak, which is pretty impressive, especially when it's flying towards you. The windspan on the, on kind of just an average is about five foot, 11 inches, which can you imagine? Like, <laughs> I can't even imagine what that would be like looking at the ground. One of the things that has impressed me the most is that we'll be just walking outside of the covered arena. And like I've said, the eagles can be flying behind you. And you they're so huge, but you can't hear them. At least I can't. And I don't think anybody else has said they just hear them flapping behind you. Like some of the other birds around here, you always hear them coming. But these guys are so amazing and powerful. So they're, they are a very powerful flyer, but it also, pow, it also flies on thermal convection. So the currents, like when they fly, are very quiet, which is definitely what we've experienced. And this is just, I thought, another little interesting tidbit is that the oldest eagle to date living in the wild is about 20 years, 20 years old, which I think is fascinating. And in captivity, they've lived up, they've lived up to 38 years, which is just amazing. Yeah. There's so much more to talking about these guys. They're just so fascinating. I think I'm going to do another part of it because I haven't even got into all the different specifics of it, but I just think it's fascinating. I had no idea. I mean, I've seen eagles here and there, but I didn't know they were in Florida. And it's just been the most amazing experience because we can see them every day. And in the nest, you can see the little eaglets peek their mm-hmm. heads out. So we binoculars. It's, I think to I showed you the nest last year when you're here, but I am going to do a second part on eagles because there's so much more and they're actually now that they're not extinct it's been interesting just having conversations with people that are up like in new hampshire and the people that stay here at the farm 
have a place up in New Hampshire and there's Eagles rampant there too. And it's just the stories about them there. So it's neat to hear that they're not extinct anymore because that was such a big thing for such a long time. And one of the other things that I read is that when they're not being, and I'm not really sure what happened, what made them extinct, but they really have. Well, they never went extinct as if they they were in danger. danger, Excuse me. But they have a very high survival rate, which I found very interesting. So that's kind of a cool thing. But, of course, they're still very much protected, which is the next part of what I'll talk about in the next segment of Eagles Part 2. There are more eagles per square mile in Alaska than any place on Earth. That's kind of amazing. Bald eagles, yeah. Yeah. You That's just amazing. can't go anywhere and without one flying in front of you or being up in a tree or it's it's unbelievable. That's so cool. Isn't I probably cool got one? a thousand bald eagle photos. Just That's something you can share. That's walking like around be- Alaska. Yeah, that's kind of amazing. But it's, when they fly, isn't it amazing how quiet they are? Quiet, and yet when you get close to them, the size of their feet is oh. incredible. Those talons and feet, holy <laughs> Toledo, they're bigger than mine. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Not, but I mean, we, they, they're so we, much bigger than when you see them drawn up when they're flying, and then when mm-hmm. they put them down on the ground. They're walking on the sand. You're like, holy Bigfoot. Oh, wow. So <laughs> you've seen them walk world. That, that's amazing. So you've seen them walk. That's the one thing that I I've don't photographed them walking right okay. underneath my deck. Yeah. I would love to see that. It's I'd love fed. to see and it's fed. And fighting with another young bald eagle. Oh, yeah. It was quite dramatic. Oh, cool. So now we're at Critter Nutrition, and I'm going to talk about choosing the right fats for your horse. Horses get fat in their diet actually from fresh forage. There's 1% to 2% of fat in fresh grass, which includes the essential fatty acids, the omega-3s and 6s and 9s. But we've discovered that increasing fat for horses can be really beneficial for energy for older horses that need a little bit more rib coverage horses metabolize fat pretty well there is fat that the body needs for organ energy and it's a a sustainable energy for horses in that a carbohydrate like a starchy sugar will give that quick burst of energy but a fat source of energy, it it has more stamina and endurance to it. So it's particularly good for dressage horses, event horses, endurance horses that need that, that longer burn of energy. The common sources of fat for horses are coconut, soy, canola, vegetable, corn, rice, flax, camelina, hemp seed oil, sunflower oil, and olive oil. Now, where we want to think about when we're choosing a fat is how is the fat processed? Because that really does matter. Heat processing, which is common with soy, with canola, 
vegetable oil is soy and corn together, but they just call it vegetable soy, some of the rice fats, they can are so highly refined because of heat, and they add a, a hexane, which is a neurotoxin, which is distilled out, but that's part of the process. So you've got this distilled hexane that is now a toxic waste from the processing of, of oils. I like a cold pressed oil. Cold pressing is pretty common, obviously, with olive oil, with camelina oil, with hemp seed oil, and even like sunflower oils and some flax oils. When they're cold pressed, they're never exposed to heat. And the reason heat is not a good idea with an oil is when you think about heating up oil on a stove, would you drink that? Because heat makes it oxidized. So a highly processed oil, which is by processing protected from oxidation, also loses all its nutrients except fat. So that's why a lot of times they add back vitamin E or they'll add back vitamin A in the oil just to, to stabilize it. Because after they heat treated it, there's really nothing there but fat. So I tend to go with flax oil, camelina oil, hemp seed oil, coconut oil that's not refined, and sunflower oil is my choices of oils. Coconut differs from all the other oils in that it's a medium chain fat. So vegetable oil, soy, those are all long chain triglycerides. The advantage of a medium chain triglyceride like coconut is that it's very specific to muscle and organ energy. And coconut oil, even though it's a saturated fat, it tends not to put weight on a horse like vegetable oil or soy oil does. So if you've got an overweight horse, I mean, moderate coconut oil will do more to fuel energy than to put on the pounds. But a corn oil, a soy oil, a vegetable oil, that can tend to pack on weight. We know, we think about oils and then we think about the omega fatty acids, omega-3, 6, and 9. In the body, when it's in homeostasis and it's healthy, the omega-3 and 6 is in a 2 to 1, 3 to 1, 4 to 1, even up to 5 to 1 ratio. So we, we, we need more omega-3 than we do omega-6. Horses get plenty of omega-6 in their diets, and when you look at most commercial horse feed, if they've listed the omegas, the 6 is generally 2 to 1 or 3 to 1 more than 3. Omega-3 is the anti-inflammatory. Omega-6 is the pro-inflammatory. Now, obviously, we the body will regulate this to a certain degree, but when you have too much of the pro-inflammatory fatty acids, you're going to have a lot more inflammation. So look for the oils that are high in omega-3, and that's flax and camelina. Those are really the principal high omega-3 oils and fish oil. But I haven't had good luck with fish oil in horses, so I tend to stay with plants which would be flax and camelina. Unfortunately, hemp seed oil is higher than six. You can also go with chia oil, 
can be pretty pricey, but certainly chia seeds is a good source of omega-3 if you're going to, if you need to feed an oil like hemp seed oil and you want to, to increase the omega-3s, just add some chia. In, in Ayurvedic medicine, we look at oils from a cooling, warming perspective. So if you've got a horse with inflammation or that's overweight, you want to focus on cooling oils. And that's coconut, which is neutral. So it doesn't cool or it doesn't warm. So it's a neutral oil. Olive oil is cooling. Flax is cooling. And sunflower is cooling. You want to avoid corn oil, safflower, sesame. If you have an older horse that you need to put weight on, those horses will benefit from the warming oils. And that would be coconut because it's neutral, olive oil, sesame, safflower, and avoid some of the the really highly processed oils like canola and corn and soy. So from an Ayurvedic perspective, some horses, particularly if they're older, will need a warming oil. And horses that are are experiencing a lot of inflammation will benefit from a cooling oil. So those are my brief little tips on choices of oil and rice bran oil can be a very good choice even though it's high in omega-6 to put weight on a horse pretty quickly so if you've got sort of a lean mean machine and you need to get some weight around its ribs rice bran oil is a really good bet real horses and real dogs are healthier perform better and recover more quickly on real food That's why Biostar empowers horse and canine owners with 100% whole food nutrition, supplements, and feeding programs. Biostar products are made at their own certified non-GMO facility in Gordonsville, Virginia, using real food ingredients that are raw, freeze-dried, or dehydrated, never cooked, and are free from artificial flavors, colors, soy, corn, wheat, and molasses. The Biostar product line includes a wide range of whole food, horse and dog supplements, treats, and unique artisan poultices that embrace the ancient and traditional uses of clay and plants. Visit BiostarUS.com today and learn about whole foods and canine and equine nutrition so you can make the best decisions about the care and health of your horses and dogs. That's BiostarUS.com. Whole food nutrition the way nature intended. Our topic today on Coffee Clutch is if you were to describe yourself as a dog breed or dog breeds, what would they be? Don't ask me where I came up with this. I was going to ask you where you came up with this. I was just, I was thinking about a topic and I was looking at my dogs and I had been to the dog park yesterday and thinking about watching people with their dogs, as you do. And I just started, well, what kind of dog would I be? And where my starting place for myself was that I am genetically a mutt. Um, <laughs> oh. you know, I, I have English ancestry, I have French ancestry, I have Native American ancestry, I have some Scotch-Irish ancestry. So... I'm a mutt. So I started approaching it from a mutt point of view. 
So I am an Aussie Russell Husky Corgi. <laughs> okay. You wow. So I, I think I'm an Aussie. I think, although I think my Aussies are more intelligent than I am, I think that I have that intelligent trait that they have. I think I have the energy that they have, but the Jack Russell is the tenacity. So I definitely have that relentlessness. The Siberian Husky is very vocal and sings a lot. That would also that be me. And they're, kind of, they're kind of clowns. And so is the Corgi. I mean, I'm short and I'm not as short-legged as a Corgi. But I'm short and kind of portable. And yet I think of myself as a big dog. So that's why I added the corgi. Okay. (laughs) Patty? Okay, mine is not going to be nearly as descriptive as yours, but you did make me. Because first when I saw this, I was like, oh, I'm absolutely, I'm an Australian shepherd. Like, there's just, I'm an Australian shepherd. But then as you were saying that, I started thinking about it. I'm both, I mean, I'm not even a claim to be as intelligent as my dogs, but I can work work. I can keep working. Yeah. I can do whatever you want. I certainly love a treat. I love a treat. And I'll sit and watch <laughs> I, I, you know, love a snack during the day. And then when the day is done, I just go to sleep. Like I literally just go boop and I'm done. But the only thing is that if you could cross, and I'm never suggesting to do this, an Australian shepherd with a French bulldog, French bulldogs are pretty fun. And they find the dumbest things funny. And I think that I would be French Aussie. <laughs> like French Aussie. I, I be, An Aussie bull. An Aussie bull. I think that would be a perfect thing for me because I do have a very odd sense of humor. Yeah. And my Aussies, my, my Aussies are funny, but not like my Frenchies. My Frenchies are inappropriate, constantly comical. Constantly. Jennifer? So. There we go. Oh, gosh. I am a Tibetan Mastiff wiener dog. <laughs> Okay, that's the best. Please do tell. Well, Tibetan Mastiff matched pretty well. That that worked for me. They're they're large and in charge, but they're large and in charge in kind of a quiet kind of a way. They need a job. They're serious. But uh, the wiener dog, when the wiener dog's in a mood, the wiener dog's likely to bite your fingers off just because he's in a bad mood. And I'm like that. So I needed to have the wiener dog in there. Okay. There's that too. Yeah. It would have to be artificial insemination. Tricky. If you can think of a breed or group of breeds that kind of describes your personality and your drive and your sense of humor and your talents, drop us a note. Put it on our Facebook page, Healthy Critters Radio. Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to our sponsor, Biostar US. You can find them online at biostarus.com. Get the Horse Radio Network phone app on iOS or Android by searching for Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free and easy to use. For details about today's show, go to HealthyCrittersRadio.com where you can find links, photos, and more information about our guests. 
As always, we love your feedback. Please follow us on Facebook under Healthy Critters Radio. Be sure to visit all the great shows on Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Love your dog. Hug your horse. Feed your chickens. Clean your litter box. Dance with your goat. Slither with your snakes. Howl at the moon. Hang with your hamster. Party with your parrot. Waddle with your walrus. Outwit your otter. Cuddle your cows. Rap with your raptor. Go chipping with your chipmunks. Forgive your fox. While hedging your hog. We also recommend that you rack with your raccoon. Gyrate with your giraffe. Meditate with a meerkat. Uber with your orangutan. Facebook with your flamingo. Ponder with your panda. Walk with your wookie. Yawn with your yak. Twitter with your toucan. Go raining with your reindeer. Dropbox your dragon. (laughs) 